So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the light of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Well, I wonder if you made the link as to what the uh, slightly zany uh, illustration was relating to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what Paul says about put off a certain way of life, like you might, off, might put off some clothes that are inappropriate to a certain job you've got to do, and then put on clothes that are appropriate. We'll leave whether or not you think what I'm now wearing is appropriate, but uh, that's not for now. Why don't I pray, and then we'll carry on taking a bit of a look at this passage. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, not only do you draw us into your family, but you tell us a good way to live. And so, Father, as we look at your word now, please change our hearts that we want to live that new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've got a Bible within reach, um, you might want to follow along. Feel free. Um, still in Ephesians, of course. Uh, still on page 1174. And um, as Yvette read, did you see how beautiful that description of the new life is? Uh, as Paul tells the Ephesians, and by extension us, reading this in the 21st century, what kind of life to put off? An ugly life that you wouldn't want in the first place. 
and to put on a beautiful life. And it is church life, our life together in particular, that Paul is talking about here. Now, we'll want to take these kinds of behaviours into all of life because they're good. But it is church life in particular that Paul is speaking about. You can see that in verse 25. So Paul starts off with a general, what sounds general statement. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour. Well, you may remember from Jesus' teaching that our neighbour is anyone we meet. But then he goes on to say the reason. The reason here particularly is for, because, we are all members of one body. And what we've seen through Ephesians is that God has made this one new body in the Lord Jesus, that is the church. So particularly, obviously Paul wants us to speak truthfully all the time in life, but particularly the kind of life we're seeing described here is the way that we should be living together as church. So I'm going to read through uh, these verses from verse uh, 24 onwards, 25 onwards, but I'm going to slightly translate it. Uh, You might like to follow through with me to see where I'm getting it from, or just listen and see how good this would be. And I'm going to say it not generally, but imagine if this was all true of St. Helens. At St. Helens, no one ever lies. No one ever misleads anyone else. They always tell the truth because they know that they are closer even than a family. They are one body in Jesus Christ. At St. Helens, if someone gets angry about something, they always work to make peace with one another as quickly as possible because they know that the devil loves it when the church is divided And so to dwell on our anger, to allow it to build, that is to invite the devil to work in your life. At St. Helens, no one steals. Not from members of their family, not from the office, not even from the government by fiddling their taxes. But it's not just that no one steals, but the people work hard, conscientiously, as they are able. But they don't work hard in order to buy the best and the shiniest and the nicest things for themselves. They work hard so that they can give generously to those in need. And if they can't earn money through a regular job, they do what they can with the time and energy they have to serve others. At St. Helens, people steer clear of crude or offensive language. Instead, they are careful to listen to each other and to speak words of healing and encouragement and God's truth into one another's lives. People use words in a way that's not intended to make them sound good, but for the benefit of others. At St. Helens, there is no bitterness. There's no long-standing grudges. There's no simmering anger at past grievances. People are kind to one another. People deal gently with one another. People forgive one another. And they forgive one another because they remember how much God has forgiven them through Jesus' death on the cross for them. At St. Helens, people imitate God. As children who are loved by their dad and who love their dad will increasingly become like their dad, so the members of St. Helens are becoming more and more like God. 
and at St. Helens, they love one another like Jesus loved them. A costly, sacrificial love. Loving even when it hurts. Love that brings great joy and delight to God. Imagine a church like that. Imagine a community like that. Now, wonderfully, some of those things are true of St. Helens some of the time. I've seen some of those things. People sacrificing and giving generously, not out of their riches, but out of their limited resources. People concerned in conversation, not just to have their own problems listened to, but to listen to others' problems and then use words to heal and build up. And I think of one specific occasion on a Sunday morning of something of a flare-up between two people, but then real repentance and forgiveness and resolution before leaving the building. So these words in action. But imagine if those weren't sort of notable examples. Imagine if that was all of us, if this was all of us, all of the time, that if truly in these ways we imitated God. Well, of course, Paul doesn't just write these words so that we can imagine how good it would be. He wants us to be changed by them. He wants us to obey them. This is how God wants us to live. And the risk is that we throw our hands in the air and we say, well, that's a nice idea, but it's never going to happen, is it? And the thing is, if that's what we do, then it is never going to happen. But if, as Paul says in verse 23, we allow ourselves to be renewed in our minds, to have a new mindset, to allow what God has done for us to change the way we look at ourselves and one another and the world, then it is possible. And it's possible because God is at work amongst us by his Holy Spirit. And it is expected of us because God commands it of us. Well, what will give us the strength, the drive, the determination to live this way? Well, not trying to earn God's favor, of course, we can never do that. Not trying to pay God back, we can never do that. And not even gratitude. So often people say that the driver in the Christian life is gratitude. And so rarely does the Bible say that. What is the motivation for living this way? It is that living a life of love, like what Paul describes, is the appropriate clothing for what God has done in us. The motivation is knowing that we have been made new in Christ. The motivation is knowing who we are. Because knowing who we are changes how we live. Knowing who we are changes how we live. If I were a footballer, then I probably should be wearing football kit right now this morning. But I'm not. I'm the curate at St. Helens, and so I should be wearing something less distracting. Look back with me again at the, um, the earlier bit of our reading, um, verse 22. This is where we get this kind of dynamic of put these things off, put these things on. Verse 22, uh, Paul writes, You were taught, with regard to your former life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So what is this new self then? Is this something that we have to kind of work up to, to, uh, to kind of believe into existence? Well, no, it's something that Jesus has already done. So look back um, just across the page to chapter 2, verse 14, uh, and Paul writes this. For he himself, that's Jesus, he himself is our peace, who has, past tense, who has 
made the two groups one, destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity, which he has done, completed, finished, at the cross. So his purpose was to create one new humanity. Now the point is slightly hidden from us here by our English eyes. Now I love the NIV translation, this is the NIV 2011. If I were choosing a translation for a church, this is the translation I would choose, which is convenient. It's really, really good. Um, And I agree with the translator's decision to take out the gendered language where it's not needed. That's the way we use English now in the 21st century, humanity instead of mankind, that sort of thing. The way we use English now is the right decision. But sometimes it means that the point can be slightly obscured, which we would see if we were reading an older translation or very much so if we were reading the Greek. And so in chapter 2, verse 15, where where, where our translation says humanity, the word underneath that is man. So Paul says, God's aim in Christ was to create one new man. Now the reason that that matters is because it's the same word in verses 22 and 24 of our verses today. So let me read those again with the new word put in. So Paul writes, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old man, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new man created to be like God. Put off the old behavior, Paul says, because the old you is already dead. It is gone. It is nailed to the cross with the Lord Jesus, along with all of your sin, along with all of that corruption. Know it in your minds and put on, live out the new self that God has already made. He's already made it. He's completed it at the cross. You are that new person now if you are in Christ. You have been made new. And as he says, created in the likeness of God. Paul says, imitate God. Well, we've been given a new person. We are a new person. Now created to be in the likeness of God. And so what Paul is saying is, live out who you are. Not put on a pretend set of clothes. You are a new person. And that is the power to live that way. Put on the new identity that Christ won for you at the cross. Because knowing who we are changes the way that we live. Paul says take off ways of thinking and behaving that are appropriate to the old way of life. Ways of living that are appropriate if we belong to this world only, rather than belonging to the coming kingdom, as we do if we're in Christ. Take off behavior that makes no sense if you know, sorry, that makes sense if you don't know that there is ultimate meaning and purpose to life, but makes no sense for those who know God. Zolt and Giza Pelladi um, were so poor that they lived in a cave outside Budapest in Hungary and they sold scraps that they found in order to earn pennies in order to buy food. But then in 2009, lawyers, acting on behalf of their long-lost grandmother, who had recently died in Germany, managed to find and contact them through a homeless charity. And Zolt and Giza discovered 
that from her inheritance, they were now entitled to the majority of 4 billion euros. From living in a cave outside Budapest, pennies, scraps of food, now $4 billion. This is what one of the brothers said when they were interviewed on television. If all this works out, it will certainly make up for the life we have had until now. All we really had was each other. No women would look at us living in a cave, said Giza. But with money, maybe we can find a partner and finally have a normal life. Well, I don't know about a normal life uh, with $4 billion. doesn't sound normal to me. But certainly a different life. Because you expect news like that to change you, don't you? One day, you are homeless and living in a cave. And the next day, you own the better, better, better part of 4 billion euros. They were homeless. Now they can have as many homes as they like. They were penniless. Now, if they sat down and tried to count every euro cent they owned, they probably couldn't. They dressed in dirty, second-hand, ragged clothes. And now they can wear the finest whatever they want, designer labels if they wanted to. It would be madness to stay in the cave, shuffle around in old clothes, and count their few pennies from selling scraps. They are wealthy. Why would they not use that money to, as Giza put it, try to live a normal life? Because knowing who you are, homeless or the inheritor of 4 billion euros, changes how you live your life. Knowing who you are changes how you live your life. Outside of Christ, we were darkened in our understanding. That is, we didn't know what life was really about. Perhaps we thought it was about ourselves. Perhaps we thought it was about our job. Perhaps we even thought it was something else good about our family. And then we were brought into God's family. We were cut off from God. We were resistant to his ways. But now, that old self is dead. That old self is gone. And all that dragged us down, all that made us guilty before God, all that made us unworthy to inherit, was taken away by Jesus at the cross. We have been made new. We have been remade. There is a new self. And so living the new way, living a life of service to others, living a life of love, is the appropriate clothing now for people who are in Christ. Knowing who you are changes your life. Now I read through those uh, verses quite briefly earlier, looking at what it might look like for us to live that way. I'd love for us to have you know, a long time to go through all of those. And well, we probably will be thinking about it in life group this week if you're able to join. But I know many won't. And so that's why you've got, um, uh, came in the service sheets, a sort of a paraphrase, helping us to think and meditate. So that's my paraphrase. The bit on the left, NIV 2011, is by scholars who know Greek and uh, have been studying it their entire lives. The bit on the, the right is by me. Those true things don't apply to me. But that is an understanding, an interpretation, thinking about it to help us meditate on it. So rather than taking a long time now to think about that, that might be something you want to read over at some point this week. Maybe stick it on your fridge above where you make a cup of tea, that sort of thing. As we close, then I'm just going to read Paul's verses, uh, Paul's words rather, from verses 22 to 24 again. You were taught with regard to your former way of life 
to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Father God, knowing who we are has the power to change our lives. Give us, we pray again, that spiritual sight so that we can see what you have done in us through Christ. And may that knowledge, knowing that all the guilt, all the sin has gone, knowing that we are new people, knowing that we are now part of your family, may that empower us to live your way. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.